The Drum Candy Podcast is brought to you by Drum Factory Direct. What's up, everyone? Welcome into episode 59 of the Drum Candy Podcast. This is your host, Mike Tawson, coming to you from Drum Factory Direct in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This week, I have a special guest host. I invited David Throckmorton on. He is sitting down with his old high school buddy, high school drum buddy, Eric Hargrove. Eric is, um, gosh, he spent seven years on the road with James Brown, and then several years after that with the great bassist Bootsy Collins. He's currently over in Singapore, so this this episode is really fun to, you know, to kind of like sit in on a conversation with two two old childhood friends reconnecting and sharing stories, and you know, just kind of kicking it. So, um, before we get into it, I want to share this quote that Eric has on his website. This is coming from Bootsy Collins. Check this out. I was pleasantly surprised when I first practiced with Eric for our James Brown tribute tour in 2008 that he sounded so much like Clyde Stubblefield, the funky drummer, and that he had the same fire which I had not felt since playing with Clyde in the original JBs. Doesn't get much better than that, right? So let's get right to it. Here is Throck hanging out with his old friend, Eric Hargrove. So, man, uh, yeah, it's good, it's good to see you, brother. It's great to see you, as always. It's been a little bit too long. Um, last time I saw you was, what, maybe like before COVID, um, a couple, so th- four years ago, three years ago? Yeah, in person, know. yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it Do you was remember? probably 2017. Oh, wow, longer than I thought. Five, yeah. Yeah, I, me- I remember um, that trip you were in, you had Thaddeus, he was super young still, he came to the our drum shop and we had it for a little while. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, we don't have to talk much about that. How, how, real quick, how's the family, man? How's everyone? Everyone's doing okay. Um, actually, my wife fell sick a little bit today. She took a COVID test to make sure that everything was fine, and she is. Yeah. But she just—I guess she's just a little rundown. You know how sure. having two kids will. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm well aware. Although my boys are getting my boys are getting old, but um. So, man, I wanted to start. Um, I'll say to everybody who's listening or watching. I mean, I'm probably going to come up a lot in this in this interview because we have so much history. Um, yes. so much shared history. Uh, uh, we went to the same high school, the same grade school, um, and just spent so much time together. So I think a lot of the early uh, days of us being musicians and drummers, a lot of it was shared. Yeah. Um, but some of the questions I might not even know the answers to a few of these early ones. Um, can you tell me how you first started playing? Uh, <laughs> that is the that is the story that actually kind of takes me full circle mm-hmm. um, through my years with James Brown. Okay. Um, so it was actually your older brother, mm-hmm. Robbie, and um, Louis Thomas uh-huh. that came to the the grade school from high school and there was a big join the band campaign. Okay. And it was Mr. Mr. Williams was mm-hmm. in charge of the band and, and Mr. Hastings. Um, and they did every instrument. They featured every instrument. And when they got to the drums, um, they did the theme song to the TV show, Hill street blues. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. So in the middle of that, Robbie and Louie did this synchronized drum solo. Okay. And I tell you, every single kid in that auditorium wanted to play drums after that. Yeah. And I say that because when it came time to go see the band director, Mr. Williams, Mm -hmm. um, and say what instrument you wanted to play. Yeah. When I got there, he was like, what instrument you want to play? I said, I want to play the drums. He said, look, every kid that has come in here has said they want to play the drums. Please pick a different instrument. Yeah. And I was like, no, nah, I want to play the drums. Yeah. He said, uh, no. He said, look, you know, you've got great lips. Maybe you can play like trombone or tuba. <laughs> yeah. you, <know? laughs> you think about that nowadays. You better not say nothing like that. Yeah. But um I mean, he was being serious, though, from a professional standpoint. Sure, of course. Um, 
And I just would not back down. Yeah. And he said, okay, fine. So what grade were you in? Was that, was that all the way back in like fourth grade when you joined the band or were you, were you a little older? I think it was fourth grade going into fifth. Because I didn't think you and Robbie, my older brother Rob, I didn't think you guys were that far away in age that he would have been in high school already at that point. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But I mean, either way, you heard them play. Or were they still yeah, in? Yeah. Were they still maybe in middle school playing playing that? Anyway, it, it, maybe maybe they were. Maybe they okay. were. Maybe he was like about to leave. Maybe the the band that was playing was mixed up. Whatever. Yeah. So did so, you did you not play at, at prior to that at all? Nothing. Okay. So your your start your start was joining the band and like I mean I did the same thing. I mean I played a little already because of my dad and my older brother. But I mean that was where I learned to to read and you know know what a quarter note is and exactly. things of that nature okay so so <clears throat> check this out so i'm i'm playing with james brown we do this private gig um and jim belushi has a band mm -hmm. and everyone's done with their sound check and we're talking with the drummer and the drummer's asking me about um you know how i got started and i told him this same story yeah and he said, well, I'm about to blow your mind because I'm the drummer who recorded the theme to Hill Street Blues. Oh, my. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. His name's Willie Ornelius. Oh, I know who that is. Yeah. 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 I remember seeing I remember looking at him in uh, Modern Drummer back in the day. He had like a really amazing Tama kit with a beautiful finish that I used to always like marvel over the wood <laughs> and the finish. Um Okay, well, before we get too far ahead, let me yeah. t tell you, um, so you were two grades ahead of me yeah. uh, in school and a few years younger than my brother. Um, I first remember hearing about you from our mutual friend, Damon Cook. Damon Cook, yeah, my neighbor. Who's, who was in my grade. Uh, we knew each other since first grade. He and I and, and our other friend, Will Brock, used to pal around. Mm. And Damon, through us, became a friend. And I think first grade, we, I realized that his dad, like mine, was also a musician. And they lived out on a, the west end of town. And then eventually, they moved to the street, the house next door to where you lived. Yeah. So through me knowing Damon, he would say, oh, man, you got to meet Eric Hargrove. You got to meet Grove. You know, and <laughs> it told me you played. And I don't remember actually exactly what grade that would have been but i do remember that as soon as we met we just we were thick as thieves and just started hanging around and talking about music and drums and, and yeah. you already you may have already known my brother possibly or but um do you have any anything you want to say about those those days oh man i remember us um being on stage you, Damon, and I, and a couple other young musicians watching your brother play MacArthur Park mm -hmm. and sitting behind, like, backstage. Was like, it MacArthur Park or was it Central Park North? Central Park North, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. Okay. Because I remember and you guys just, talking about that. And I remember yeah. not feeling as... I was used to hearing it all the time <laughs> at home. So I was we like, oh, what's, the, what's, the, what's the big deal? Yeah. No, we were blown away. We were like, wow, look at his foot. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think there was something to <clears throat> to that whole situation um, with Robbie being my brother, being four and a half years older than me. Um, we were always close, but um, seeing people closer to my age that didn't know him the way I knew him, yeah. be excited about it. And it, and it drew me to be um, excited about it as well, as as well as being uh, wanting to find out where you guys came from and what you were and how you played and just trying to, just like you do now when you meet a musician, you know, what are these people about? Yeah. How do they sound? Do I like to play with them? Um, <clears throat> not that drummers are playing together a lot in, in musical situations, but back then, through band and through us hanging out, we, we would play drums together and trade yeah. trade the seat at the kit and try things out and and play. Um, I, I I will say that I remember 
it may not have been the first time I was at your house. In fact, I'm sure it wasn't the first time I was at your house, but I think it was the first time we ever went up to your bedroom uh-huh. and you had the wood, the brown pearl kit, I think, which was your first major kit. Yes, it was. And I remember you had two symbols that were the same that I think were from a pair of band symbols, yeah. like a, like maybe like some 18s or something like that. And you used one yeah. as a crash and one as a ride. And you had some nice sounding hi-hats. And I remember just hearing you play for, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes. And and I was just remember being knocked out, man, thinking like, how, oh, you, man. no, really, I thought you had this amazing natural feel. I mean, it's, I was so young, it was hard to think the way I would think about it now. But I remember just sure. thinking that it felt good and you were getting a good sound. Um but yeah, that just kind of set us off on a on a certain path, and, and um, so you you graduated high school a few years ahead of me. But during high school together, we got to play in jazz band together. We got yeah. to play in steel drum band together, um, and every band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, marching every band. band, marching band. That's All right. Of it. Um, and I, and we had a nice program, and and and. and you know, Mr. S at the high school had um, fun outlets, I think, for us to play in. And we got to, you know, do some different things and maybe some other kids didn't. Um, but all the while, we, we just were always playing and discovering new music. Um, I mean, what, what are your memories of that time? I mean, to his, to Mr., our band director, Mr. S, to his credit and you know, to the the kindness of his soul. Mm-hmm. You know, he really, he nurtured us kids. I mean, and when we were our most rowdy, he really put up with this. I, I, and I'm mainly speaking about myself. Yeah, d- definitely me too. Yeah, sure. Um, he really put up with this and still let us express ourselves musically. Yeah. You know, and still trying to guide us in the in the right manner, and, and you know, you need to play this, you need to play that, you know, and 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 still let us do what we want. Sure. You know? And the fact that he took on building a steel drum band mm-hmm. when, like, I don't think anywhere else in the country was was doing anything like yeah, that. Yeah, he was definitely a far far ahead of the curve, and a lot of people and. Western Pennsylvania, like, immediately followed, you know, because it yeah. was such a such a great, exciting program. Yeah, so I, I definitely want to give him his his honors mm-hmm. that that oh, are sure. definitely due. Um, him, uh, Mr. Hastings, yeah, even Mr. Williams too. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Mr. Cope as well. Those guys were great. Yeah, I didn't have I didn't have. Oh, well, I think Mr. Cope sub. Well, he I was doing. I, I think he was doing the choral program a lot, but I just knew him a lot right. from my neighborhood, and he and my dad knew each other, yeah. and he and he would help out at band camp, blah 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 blah. Mm. But um, but they were always encouraging, and 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 um, yeah. I mean, we were lucky. We were lucky to have such a cool program. We were very fortunate, man. Yeah. You know. So. Um, I, and before we jump f- further ahead, I wanted to say, like, I mean, I, I have some specific memories of you and I. Um. It's funny because Mike Dawson, who hosts the podcast, mm-hmm. we were talking, we were doing this show about Jack DeJanette and somehow Will Calhoun came up and we were talking about Living Color. And I remember I, you and I just freaking out over that first Living Color record together. Every drummer did. Yeah. I remember you and I, um, I remember you turning me on to Tutu and us going crazy over Miles. Tutu, you had it on cassette. Yeah. Um, obviously, we... From my house and my brother, we we got into like Gad and the Electric Band, and that's how I got into it from you yeah, guys. Yeah, Tower of Power. I mean, I mean, we, there's yeah. other shared stuff we all heard, whether it be you know the MTV era kind of bands and songs, right. Prince, Michael Jackson, you know, whatever older stuff, Stevie Wonder. We all mm-hmm. had that shared kind of um, stuff. I do remember though. You started to play with some friends that my brother used to play with in town, and and you were super into Zeppelin. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about about that those days? Oh man, um, your brother recommended me for that band 
got me into all the cool parties mm-hmm. <laughs> because um, the first time I played with them, we did good times, bad times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bonham does this, 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 yeah, uh, the bass troubles on the bass drum, yeah. you know, and it's, and all the high school kids who were in the Zeppelin knew that that was a difficult drum thing to do. Yeah. And the fact that I could do it amazed them. Mm-hmm. And if I showed up at a party and they say, oh, you're, you're that drummer that can play good times, bad times. Come on in, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. You know, <laughs> so, I mean, that's not much about, you know, the music of it. No, but it's, it's, but it's a memory it's, and it's, it, it's, it's a, memory. It's, a big it's deal funny. at those times. Yeah. Yeah. And it is hard to learn um, to play that stuff at a young age, you know? Yeah. And, and to get your foot to do that, it, it, it took some practice. Sure. Um. And uh, the guitarist, Jason Amos, I would go to his house a lot and we would be in his basement, just guitar and drums. And he would just be like, learn this song, learn this song here. I made you a tape. Learn this, learn this. No, 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 that's not right. Play it this way. Listen to what he's doing. And he would like kind of drill me. That's cool. You know, and the the bassist, uh, Steve Machetta, Mm -hmm. um, he was he was a little bit the same way, but he was a little more loose about it. Yeah. You know, and then we started doing some original stuff. Uh, the singer, Mike Hood. Um, yeah, he, he was always really cool, man. Yeah. You know. Interesting. Um, here um, I am, this, 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 this young black kid playing with, you know, mm-hmm. playing classic rock when, you know, it, it wasn't really that popular. Yeah. For, for African-American yeah. you know kids and even I would know. say at that time classic rock probably wasn't that popular to the to even the white kids at our school I mean it was it was more about what was happening at, at the time you know yeah um, like the stuff that was on MTV or whatever and not so classic and I, and I wasn't as familiar with that stuff and my brother would have certain records I would hear but I, I never gravitated towards um, you know Rush and, and those bands I mean they were cool right I, I, yeah for some reason my, my ears went a little more current to what was happening as the years went by um it's funny though like i mean we you and i both have some shared interest in jazz jazz music obviously and i'm I'm probably a little heavier on the jazz than you are um but (laughs) but 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 you're you've always had this kind of feel that i remember from the first time i heard you play that to when i hear clips of you in the recent years that it's still there. There's this thread in your playing that that um, your personality is it's it's very similar. Although you've of course grown and got better, but I feel like your identity, kind of as a drummer, was was kind of in place really early on. Do do you feel that way? Um, I know I've gone through a, a lot of stages of you know like sitting myself down and saying you got to work on this. Mm-hmm. This has to be better. You know, this is, this is too sloppy. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you've, you've got to tighten this up. Um, and I still go through those stages. I'm still going through those stages. Yeah. Um, especially when I hear you're playing, I'm like, come on, man, <laughs> you got to get this. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, you're definitely a, a huge inspiration to me. And anytime I can, throw your name out to to any musician out there i always do oh man thank um, you. but um yeah i mean i never thought about it in in those terms of, of, of a thread from my yeah. younger days till now um i would really have to like like almost soul search to yeah to to go through that you know yeah um, but if you hear it, then yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, there it is because you yeah. you are you are known to be very picky. Oh, I'm very picky. Yeah. I mean, very- I, I tell people I'm opinionated for sure. Um, but if something's I on a that, if something's on a high level, though, I'm, I feel like I'm the first person to give it up. You know, so it's not just to mm. to be negative. It's it's really searching for um, the inspiration and the stuff that makes me excited. And that's I think that's yeah. a I think that's a worthy pursuit. Um, let's move forward. I don't want to talk about me. Um, the so out of high school, 
Um, mm -hmm. You followed a similar path to my older brother, and you joined the military to be part of the, the military band. I did, yeah. The Army. Yep. Did you go to the same school Rob went to in Virginia? I don't remember. I did, but not right away. Okay. I went later. And actually, you and Josh were playing down there. I remember that. that. Yeah. Yeah. That was when you were in school, though? I was in the school. Okay. Um, yeah. What was that experience like? I mean, you don't have to spend too much time on it, but but how yeah. was your how was your time in the military playing, and and so, what did you get from that? Oh man! And the great thing about the military was it was similar to our high school mm -hmm. in that you played in the marching band, you played in the the concert band, yeah, you know, uh, you played in the jazz band, whatever band there was whatever the musicians in the army in a particular army band. And there's many different army bands yeah. throughout the United States and around the world. Um, you have that, you have the concert band, you have the marching band, mm -hmm. you have any incarnation of any kind of band, salsa band, top 40, you know, all that. Yeah. So you have, you have your choice of stuff. You don't have your choice. You kind of get picked to be in it. Okay. You know, by the, you know, the people that are above you. Yeah. Uh, so being able to go through all these different styles and, and really try to do them, you know, accurately mm -hmm. um, was, was a challenge. And it was just really fun, of course, because you're playing drums, you, you know, right. you're playing drums for a living. Yeah. You do it all day. You wake up. Well, of course, you got to wake up. You have to do the military stuff. Sure. You know, um, but after that, it's just like, go play. Yeah. You know, you know, there's, did, there's did stuff you, structured through the day. Did you have the same teacher Robbie had or no? No. Okay. Because he always spoke highly of, of his teacher. I don't remember the guy's name. But um. so how, how long did you end up? How long were you in the military? What, what what years were those? For nine years. I was okay. in the military for nine years. Um, from uh, 89, the uh -huh. year I graduated, until 98. Okay. I actually, I signed out of the Army, physically signed my name out of the Army on my birthday. Okay. Um, June 17th. Uh, 1998. Okay. June 18th, 1998. Yeah. I was on my way to Europe with James Brown. Okay. So, so you're, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You, um, you were stationed in different places, but you ended up in Augusta, correct? Augusta, Georgia. Yes, that's correct. And that was kind of where the James Brown connection was formed. Yes. Um, I don't remember what, month or, or if it was 98 or 90 i think it was probably excuse me 98 or 99 um because you brought up to me we spoke last week or so and you brought up to me which i forgot that you first started playing with james brown mm -hmm. around the same time i started playing with with maynard ferguson yeah right and then yeah. i remember hooking up with you on the road I think we were, were we playing Savannah or are we playing Augusta? Some small town in South Carolina. It was South a small Carolina. Town. Newberry. Uh, okay. And then you came up and picked me up. You came to the show. We hung. Is that Were you with James at that point already or no? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we could go on and on for episodes about <laughs> playing with James Brown, I'm sure. Um, yeah. And I know it would be hard to, to condense into um a short amount of time but but can you tell me some things about that experience i mean I, I think i saw you in the band live twice um i've seen some video footage as well i know there were two drummers in the band um but what can you say about about that experience i mean that was that was a being in james brown's band was on top of everything was an absolute honor. Sure. Because here is a man who helped create a style of music. He didn't do it by himself. Yeah, a lot of people credit him solo, but mm -hmm. no, it was him and the, the musicians around him. 
Sure. You know, and there was there was already like stuff going on in New Orleans, but he really like solidified it, you know, and, and took it where it went to go. Yeah. So not only that, but the in the people, the musicians he influenced. Yeah. Like the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, uh, millions of uh, yeah. yeah. So if there was no James Brown, music today would be totally different. Oh, completely. There'd be there'd be because no hip hop. Be, be no, yeah, totally. Yeah, pop music would be different. I agree. There might yeah. not even be rap. Yeah, you're right. You know, yeah. so... And you had to remind yourself of this because he was a taskmaster. I mean, he could be... I would say just super challenging to, to be around, not just to work with, but to yeah. be around. Sure. Um, but... You know, having the opportunity to play his music, you know, and know that that music has inspired, you know, millions of people. Yeah. You know, since, you know, the 60s. Mm -hmm. You know, here I am, you know, of course, it's towards the end of his life, but here I am on stage with him traveling the world. Sure. You know, so... I always made the most of that experience. Um, at least I tried to. Yeah. Um, with not just, you know, on stage with him playing the music, but the places that we went. Yeah. You know, I always tried to connect with people in all these different countries. Um, and I, I'm not trying to say I'm, I'm some sort of ambassador, but I would try to engage people in just find out what their way of life was about, mm -hmm. you know? And a lot of times I would end up hearing what they thought about Americans or what, you know, so what their yeah. misgivings about Americans were, sure. yeah. you know? So, and then I thought, I said, I need to change their mind about this. You know, if it yeah. was a negative, you know, yeah. so I sought out to do that whenever yeah. we were on tour. So a lot of times I was out by myself, because nobody yeah. else wanted to go run around with me. Yeah. You know, then I became the tour guy because I was always the one who found out where the jam sessions were, where other live concerts were happening. You know, we, it was a time we went to go see Lenny Kravitz. Mm -hmm. We were on tour, you know, because I found out he was playing in Albuquerque. You know, I got on the phone and, called the ticket office to talk to the management to get us passes, backstage passes. Sure. You know, stuff like that. You know, and that was all the stuff that was just surrounding that I was yeah. privileged enough to do because James Brown thought I was worthy enough to play drums in his band. Sure. Forks Drum Closet, Nashville's full-line drum store. Celebrating its 40th year in business, Forks is independently owned and operated in the heart of Music City. Specializing in drums and percussion, Forks offers great discounts on all major brands and will beat any retailer's advertised price. From new and used equipment, vintage drums, and marching and orchestral instruments, Forks has something for every drummer. They also offer professional rental, repair, and restoration services, as well as drum lessons. Stop by their storefront at 308 Chestnut Street in Nashville, Tennessee, or call 615-383-8343, or go online at ForksDrumCloset.com. Well, what about from a um, a drumming standpoint? I mean, is there, because we are on a yes, drum let's podcast. Get into drumming. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Let's get to that. And I don't want, you know, I'm not trying to bring up any negative stuff, but but on some level, it's probably important to talk about some of the stuff. I, I remember you telling me sometimes being frustrated um, at times about being one of two drummers, another guy who'd been there much longer than you. So sometimes you probably felt like you were playing, in a sense, the role of the second drummer. Because yes. um, I remember coming to see, hear you one time in particular and you didn't play a lot and I was frustrated for you, you know, <laughs> and I imagined like, I, man, I, I, I probably couldn't do that. Me, like I would be, I'd freak out. And you always seem to have a, a positive vibe on stage. You would fit in where you, where you could 
and add things and then you get your moment to shine it would be beautiful but um and, and not, i don't want you only to focus on that but but also the positives of of drumming in the band and some drum related stuff if you can touch on those things yeah so james brown has always had at least two drummers right you may see a tv special or something where there's just one guy but traveling touring it's two drummers and a percussionist right, right. Um, so to say that he's picky is, is a, a huge understatement. Sure. Um, and a lot of times when unison hits don't happen, it's always the drummer's fault. Okay. You know, no matter where if sure. the horns were rushing or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. um, playing with, with another drummer, sometimes it was, playing at the same time mm -hmm. but mostly um after i had been in the band for a while it was like okay this is your song this is the song you're going to play by yourself until i say otherwise during the song yeah you know so no matter who whose song it was me or the other drummer his name was uh robert thompson mousy was mm -hmm. his nickname so if mousy was playing at any point in time Mr. Brown could turn and point to me, or sometimes he wouldn't even turn. He would just, I just see this arm go back. Yeah. You know, and I had to know whether that was for me or the guitarist beside me or the bassist on the other side of me. Sure. <laughs> you know, I had to know that it was for me. Yeah. Um, that was a whole new learning curve of, of being pointed in and out of in anywhere in the music. Yeah. Um, so, okay, he points me in, like, do I come in right away? Do I wait for the next phrase? phrase yeah. Do I write the next beat? Sure. The next, the next one? Yeah. You know? Did, did, did the, did the um, fear of not being able to always read his mind exactly, was it crippling at times? At, at first, yeah. Yeah. It definitely was. Because... When I first started making those mistakes, it was like, okay, he's new, you know, we'll let him get yeah. used to it, you know, but that process for him mm -hmm. was different than what I thought that process sure. was. Uh, yeah, so that he makes was like, sense. you need to have this now. Yeah. Uh, so, um, what, what, yeah, uh, it became like, you're not good enough type of thing. Yeah. You know, so in, there was a, in your mind, or you felt like that's what he was projecting. Those were his words sometimes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. And it well, wasn't just me. Everybody in the band got that. Sure. At different points in time, you know, did, did, you would did, go, um, you would go from from uh, from <laughs> Dookie to Gold. Yeah. You know, within within a minute. Yeah. He would praise you on stage after the next rehearsal. You know, you're rehearsing one song. You go to the next song during sound check. Now you're now you're nothing. Sure. Um, this is just a question for my own curiosity. I mean, sometimes when I see video or you playing, and Mousy would play, he'd point you in. You'd play for a little bit, he'd point Mousy back in. And I would wonder sometimes: Do you think? Do you think he would just forget sometimes? <laughs> like to get the other guy in or or would it be like okay i brought eric in now it's fresh on my mind now i'll, I'll quickly remember to go back to the other guy you know like was, was there some of that in your mind there were he had several different scenarios that he would switch drummers yeah one scenario was yes he wanted to give one drummer a break let the other drummer play yeah Another scenario was he doesn't like what one drummer's playing. He yeah. wants the other drummer to play. Sure. Another scenario is the sound that he's hearing. Yeah. The sound on stage isn't right. Yeah. So now he wants to change drummers. The drummer, yeah. when the drummer's playing is fine. So, so the sound is. Let me right. ask you that. Did, did, did that mean that there would be certain nights, certain cities, certain tours where you played a ton more because of these factors? Than other nights? Yes. Yeah. Okay, um, interesting. And a lot of times, for whatever reason, 
those would be like the the small towns in like Europe somewhere. Yeah. You know, where he would just love me to death. Yeah. You know, he's like, son, I want you to play just like that. Yeah. When we do, when we do the show tomorrow, <laughs> play just like that. So yeah. next show, I'm remembering. I said, I'm going to play just like that. Yeah. And I'm doing it. And he turns to me, points me out. Yeah. Points to Mousy. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I mean, See, to, to me, it sounds like it's there's no rhyme or reason. It's just he's just an yeah. interesting guy that can can go any way at any time, you know. Well, some people in the band used to call him Games Brown. Yeah, nice. And he actually he let me know that he would he would play with me in in particular. Yeah, because he would point me in, and then like. 10 seconds later, point me out. Oh man. And I would, and I would be, I would be angry about it. And you could see it on my face and he'd turn and he'd look at me and he'd see that anger on my face and he'd laugh. Yeah. That was so jive. And then one day he came to me, he said, son, he said, I know you want to raise sand with me sometime. He said, but just keep doing what you're doing. Everything's all right. Yeah. So were there some beautiful moments musically that there had to be, one thing when you said that it came to mind was he liked to always rearrange his music. Mm-hmm. You know, he always wanted to give the horns a new part or make us play weird drum beats or whatever. Yeah. So during uh, a rehearsal, he had the horns. He said, I want you to play this. Uh, I want you to play this. Uh, uh, and I want you to play this. Uh, uh, uh. You know, and yeah. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. You know, and there were times where the horn players had to interpret. Yeah. You know, and like <laughs> on the fly, figure, yeah. figure it out and just make something nice. Yeah. But this particular time, they played what he said. And it was awesome. Yeah. And I was like, where did this come from? Sure. Yeah. There were times where he would like to get on on his organ, yeah, and and play. And he'd like he he'd do these solos, you know, in the middle of a song, whatever. And it was like sometimes it was like hit or miss. Mm-hmm. But when he was hitting it, and he turn and he look at me, and I'd be like, yeah, yeah. And sometimes he'd mess up, and he'd look at me, and I'd be like. Yeah. You know, you don't want to you don't want to just like shake your head no at him. Sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because he gave it up that that he made that mistake. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's and, I, good. and that was rare for him to to yeah. to, to say that he made a mistake. Yeah. Um but He played he would play some great stuff sometimes, man. Yeah. I mean, you you can't you know, if you're familiar with that music, even if it's just the real classic era, I mean, it's some of the most infectious music ever made and and Every time I go back and revisit, uh, I'm just amazed at it. It's, I mean, what the guy did and how he changed music and created new music, it's frightening. I mean, I, I play a lot the last 10 years with this amazing guitar player from Akron, this guy, Dan Wilson. Yeah. And Dan plays with Christian McBride a good bit. And Christian's a, a huge James fanatic. Yes, he is. So they're yeah. always tell, he's always telling me stories about talking to Christian. But Dan and I have this kind of secret language that you would know the language but we start quoting all the 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 gibberish from the tracks and all the (laughs) all the just james talking over beats and like stuff that's been sampled to death and i mean we recite funky drummer all the talking bits nonstop, Uh and and it's 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 some of the most amazing stuff ever ever recorded really you know what about the um you know when i hear those old recordings now or see old video clips of of clyde or jabo or whoever um, you know, sometimes it's you're you're re um, uh, acquainted with or remembering like, oh wow, some of this stuff is lighter than you think it is. Um, yeah. When, when I saw you play with the band, I mean, it, it it wasn't ever bashing really, but I mean, you you're a strong player. How much would you get to experience or ex- experiment with with different volumes, or was it all pretty just straight down the middle and kind of playing fairly hard at that point? It- it really depended on his mood mm-hmm. and the environment. Okay. So if it was, you know, a big stage, 
of course, you needed to hit those drums. Yeah. You know, he, he wanted it heavy. He wanted to feel it. Yeah. And that's a whole other rabbit hole with, you know, the stage manager and him running monitors and front of house and everything else. So, okay. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you have like smaller venues with smaller stage um, and then him doing like ballads and stuff, you know, and him telling us play brushes. Yeah. You know, no one thinks that, Oh, you're going to play brushes with James Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Sweeping, br sweeping brushes or more just time with brushes like sticks. I played sweeping. I, yeah. I stirred. Yeah. You know, cool. I played nice. patterns and, and tried to, you know, yeah. make that's, it sound nice. Exciting. Sometimes even when Mousy was playing, because sometimes Mr. Brown would want the brushes, but with, you know, with, like a, with time and, yeah. and, and, you know, playing like a 12, eight feel. Yeah. Sometimes I would just stir lightly underneath of Mousy. That's cool. Gives you something you know. to, to do and work on and practice <laughs> while, you're, while you're not being loud and offensive or something, you know? Yeah. You know, just to try and, and keep that kind of vibe and, and yeah. try to have a blend of, you know, yeah. nice drum brush sound, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, we could talk about James all day and he may come back up. These, these podcasts usually run around an hour. We're at like 40 minutes. So I'm going to try to yeah. continue moving forward. If, you, if there's something you really want to say, just stop me at any time. Um, okay. When, um, how soon after stopping playing with James did the Ringling Brothers gig happen? And was that what was next as far as a, as a long-term kind of? performing a gig um so it was army brown circus abc okay, okay cool so um so so what, what year did that start two wait 2005 okay and was yeah, i actually i actually left james i quit okay and, and yeah I should know all this. I just forget. You know, our good friend Josh Dunleavy was playing alto saxophone in the circus. Was he still in the band when you got on the band? No. No. Okay. Yeah. So how long did you do Ringling? About two years. H how was that experience? That was a whole other thing, man. Um, circus drumming <laughs> was a totally different animal. Yeah. Um, lot, lots of shows, right? Like a, a lot of shows. A lot of shows, a lot of playing, a lot of high energy. Like my first year, the, the circuses do a, a new show every two years. Right. And when I joined, it was already the second year. Okay. So I only did the rest of that year, and then it was a new show. New show, okay. Yeah, so that first year was high energy playing. And yeah, was it, my was endurance it, was, it? was up. Oh, so, but did, did you get there right away or were you still kind of young and strong enough that, that you were able to jump right in and effortlessly or, or did it take a minute oh, to, it was, to it get was, that? Oh, oh it, it, it took effort. Yeah. It def it took serious effort, you know, yeah. and then I realized, I said, you need to pace yourself. Yeah. You know, I was getting blisters. Yeah. You know, when you get tired, you end up gripping the sticks harder than you want, you know, yeah. and then you're sometimes you're not paying attention that you're actually gripping the stick. So yeah, when sure. I started getting blisters, I was like, okay. You need to pace, pace yourself, you know, were keep you, your posture. Were you playing, you were still playing acoustic drums, right? Acoustic and electric. But, but so, primarily acoustic though, right? Primarily acoustic, yeah. yes. I think I remember seeing our friend, John Zook, maybe play, I don't even remember, but I remember there was a point, either he was telling me or, or said it was suggested, or maybe he was using more electric drums with real cymbals at one point, but I, I could be wrong on that. Um, they did have that. Um, the, the previous drummer, uh, Sam Wiley. Yeah. He was using D drums. That was, that was during the time where Josh was, was playing. Okay. Yeah. I remember him talking about Sam. Yeah. Um, so that he was playing D drums and like real cymbals. Did you feel like playing so many shows, playing such high energy, you know, they weren't short shows either. You have multiple shows on certain days. Do you feel like that was just just the the physical act of playing that much helped you in a, in a lot of ways? It definitely helped my endurance um, and the attention that you have to pay to pay to what you're you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, 
because you have to watch monitors, a right? TV monitor. Yeah. You have to mm-hmm. watch a TV monitor. You have to watch the conductor. You have to watch what's happening out in the three rings. Yeah. Because you're you're accentuating things that are happening with those acts. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. you're using the TV monitor to see the furthest ring, which is difficult to see, of course. Yeah. Then you're watching the conductor for these breaks because you get a lot of there's a lot of vamps. Yeah, sure. So there's there's vamps. You can come out of a vamp with a one bar drum fill. Yeah. Um, you can come out of a vamp with just a cut straight into something. Mm-hmm. There were a couple different ways to come out of it, and it, you had to be watching because the conductor is watching the acts and he's going off them. Yeah. So it could it could be anything. Yeah. Um, so that was the first year. It was it was a lot of just physical playing. Yeah. The second year was a lot of mental playing, where there were a lot of loops and stuff that I had to trigger. Mm. So we had a Roland SPDS, um, and yeah. So I was given like all these different loops that I had to program and, and put them in into the machine. Yeah. I had to edit them myself Woo, to yeah. make sure that they were, you know, truncated just yep. enough, you know, so they would loop properly. Um, and then it got put with the click, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah. So trigger, Play, 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 watching the conductor, watching the act. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, yeah. Here comes the the one-bar drum fill. Stop loop. <laughs> Start new loop. Yeah. Sure. That's All a lot. Well, and then catch the tricks, catch the, the accentuations yeah. of the the trapeze guy flipping <laughs> stop start you know yeah amazing yeah it was it was so much mental that was going on yeah, that's man. a lot that takes up a lot of a lot of space in your in your mind and yeah it doesn't sound easy it you know no. and, and now i mean i'm i'm gonna about to turn i mean you're a couple years older than me but i'm about to turn 50 in january and and big five oh yeah and now when i play a really high energy gig i i, I realize like I'm not doing as much of that as I once did. And it's like, it, it doesn't stay with you like it used to, you know? I'm not sure if you experienced any of that, you know? I have, yeah. yeah. I, I, I did. Um, and again, I just had to, to pace myself. It, what happened when I, when I was, uh, when I played with Boosie Collins for the second time um, after a few years break, um, I had to get myself back in that kind of shape yeah. of the heavy playing. Yeah. You know, and the endurance of it. So, so uh, you, you left Wrangley after a few years. What happened then? Uh, well, I went back I, to Augusta. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, oh, we should mention when you, when you were in the army, this could be just a passing thing. You were stationed in, Georgia, uh, in Germany for a long time. Uh, for three years, yes. Okay, so so, but that, I'm trying to think of how that relates to to now, and maybe it doesn't relate at all. So so back to Augusta after the circus. Yep. Um, and then I moved to Florida. Okay. Only a few months later. Well, you were in uh, Orlando for a while, it. right? Yeah, right outside of Orlando. Okay. Uh, I worked for an independent record label. Okay. Um, who, um. I don't know if you know the drummer Tom Hurst. No. Um, he lives in Nashville now. Um, he was an Augusta guy, and I don't know was he an Augusta guy. I just know he was he was friends with a lot of people in Augusta. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, he moved to Nashville now. He plays with like a lot of the big stars and stuff. Okay. Well, um, well tell me this. I mean, you're currently living in Singapore. Yep. How, Remind me how that, how did you even get to Singapore? I, I don't remember this at all. Yeah. So, I mean, like there's so much stuff that's just like connected back to other things. So this yeah. goes back to Ringling Brothers. Okay. Uh, one of the keyboard players from Ringling Brothers lived in Orlando. Okay. So when I was in Orlando, yep. 
um, you know, work dried up for me. Bootsy had stopped playing. Yep. That the tour I did with him initially stopped. Yeah. Um, and the local gigs that I was doing weren't happening. The record label, the independent record label went belly up. Yeah. Um, so that keyboard player, Adam Kimont, uh, he said he got an offer to be a music director in Singapore. Mm-hmm. And he said, look, man, I didn't get to pick the band. Um, so if for whatever reason there, the drummer they picked doesn't work out, you're my first call. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, a few weeks later, he calls me and he says, hey, man, how, how soon can you get to Singapore? So I was like, I'm thinking, OK, I, I need this work. I said, and I've never been to Singapore. Why not? Yeah. But I said, you know, give me a couple of weeks to, you know, pack up my apartment, blah, blah, blah. And he said, man, you got five days. <laughs> so I physically packed up my entire apartment, pouch, bed and all. I put it in a U-Haul. I took it to a, a storage facility and I unpacked it. Yeah. Five days later, I was on a plane to Singapore. Wow. So, and again, we're we're getting the Cliff Notes version of all this. But so I know you you, you lived in Singapore for a long time, played there. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, met your wife, your current, you know, your wife now, mother yep. of your children in, in Singapore, Lily. Um, yep. She's she's a singer. Um, yeah. And then at one point, you you made your way back to the states for a while. Started playing with Bootsy again. Is that correct? Yep. That is correct. And then eventually. Found your way back to Singapore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I kind of just skipped over a bunch of stuff, but tell me a, l- a little bit about that. Okay. So um, after I did the gig here in Singapore, it was like, it was similar to Cirque du Soleil. So Singapore had its own version of Cirque du Soleil, mm-hmm. even used people who played, who, who uh, worked in Cirque du Soleil. Um, that ended two and a half years into its run. Um. We won't get into the reasons why, but sure, I get it. <laughs> uh, then I went to Thailand. I lived in Bangkok for just over a year. How, how do I not know any of this? This is crazy. Go ahead, continue. I don't know. <laughs> um, and I and I played in a in a prestigious hotel um, that had a, a a big jazz program, and this pianist who had been there for you know a decade or more. Yeah. You know, playing. Um, I don't know if you know the the bassist LD Young. No. Um. Anyway, I'll skip over that. Uh, he played at this place anyway. You okay. guys look up LD Young. Yeah. Uh, and after that is when Bootsy called me and said, "Hey, where are you?" <laughs> you know. He said he basically said, "We need you back." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I left, you know, and came back to the States um, and did him for a while um, while living in Virginia. Right. I lived in the house with, with, my, with my aunt. Right. You know, and then my wife came later. And we got married, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and, and the, the boozy stuff, I remember you saying, telling me was, was fun and really great. It just didn't end up being a really enough playing to, to warrant staying. Is that right? Yeah. Um, there were some, there were some things going on, uh, uh, internally, uh, that didn't have anything to do with the musicians. Yeah. Um, that kind of derailed things. So we didn't, we didn't work like we, we should have been working. Yeah. Um, so I, I ended up <clears throat> having to get, you know, some jobs. Yeah. And when I say jobs, I, yeah, at one point I, I had, I had three jobs at one point. Wow. So, Cause I couldn't, till I couldn't handle, it was about two weeks and I said, I can't do three. So I had yeah. two jobs. Wow. You know, um, uh, I worked in a grocery store mm-hmm. and I worked at, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, hardware place. Okay. Help like me out. Home Orange. Depot. Home Depot. So, so I worked at Food Lion and Home Depot at the same time. Okay. Interesting. For a few months. Yeah. So then um, I got a call from some people that said, hey, 
we want you to work um, in China, you know, play for a Franco Dragon show. Franco Dragon is uh, the producer who, who produced a lot of Cirque du Soleil shows, mm-hmm. but then built his own company. And now he has sh- similar shows all over the world. Okay. Um, so he had shows in, that he was building in China. Um, and the composer said, look, you know, we want you for this gig to play drums. And I was like, cool. I was like, I said, is, is there any chance you know, I can do like assistant MD? He said, actually, we want you to be DMD. Oh, wonderful. And I was like, okay, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm not qualified to do that. I, I, I'm just not qualified to do that. And I, I said to him, I said, I, I don't know if I can do that. I said, I can assist, but I don't know if I can actually do it. He said, don't worry about it. We, we're setting it up all around you. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have anything. You hit some buttons, you know, on, on a, a MIDI keyboard. You trigger some stuff. You'll be fine. Yeah, they did set it up, but it was it was not easy. Yeah, it was it was similar to the circus stuff. OK, it was it was a lot of mental. Do this now, mm-hmm. which wasn't always on the beat. Yeah, yeah you had to guess. OK, the, the axe about to do this i have maybe a couple more beats you know cue the band in yeah to the next section of music out of the vamp you know it, it that was a whole new experience and i'm so glad that i had it yeah those are really unique opportunities gigs like wrangling james as well dealing with his personalities and his his commands um this gig you're speaking of now these are a lot of gigs that most people aren't going to get the chance to do a lot of things like that, you know? Like, yeah. I, like I've like i done a ton of gigs. I've never had any gigs like the ones you're speaking of, you know, with these kind of um, parameters and, and, and different things you have to do on the gig, you know? Yeah. I mean, I remember playing a gig with a singer who did these big Christmas shows in Pittsburgh, this, this great singer, B.E. Taylor, who passed mm-hmm. away. God bless him. And, and he... Uh, I had to just play along with some tracks and like start some loops from like a a laptop. And I was like, this is, this is too much. I just want to play. How do I just play? I don't want to push buttons. I just want to play the drums. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So what's, we only have another maybe 10 or so minutes. Um, tell me about um, what's going on now. I mean, I know I will say, not to talk too much, but mm. I remember my dad, Bob, who's a, a great drummer and you knew it well. And I mean, you're part of the family, but like my dad passed away and uh, years go by so fast now, 2020 COVID start 19 or 20. Um, well, it depends on who you talk to. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was in January. I can't remember if it was 19 or 20. The years are just running together. But I remember when my dad passed, um, you calling me on my birthday, which was the day of my my dad's memorial service, just memorial to service send well wishes and all that stuff. And and you were the first person that kind of hit me to COVID. You said, hey, man, be careful. Watch out for this COVID thing. I was like, what are you talking about? And, of course, we all knew within the next month or two what you were talking about. And that's yeah. changed everything for everybody. Um, so that's kind of gone on, you know, worldwide. But... Um, you can tie COVID into this if you like, but how are things kind of, I don't want to say post COVID, but semi post COVID. Yeah. yeah. And, and now how, how are things now playing and what, what are you doing now? Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's probably better to just say post lockdown. Okay. You know, cause we live in a COVID world and COVID dictates, we need COVID's permission to do things in this world now. Yeah, because if COVID gets too bad, things shut down. If yeah. people start, too many people start dying, things shut down. Countries shut down. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's post lockdown for Singapore for yeah. me. Um, and we had two plus years of uh, of lockdown um, and eased restrictions, but musicians here were like the last to be able to go back to work. Sure. 
um, a lot of people were just doing like live streams. Yeah. When you were when you were able to be in the same room as people. Yeah. And you had to be socially distanced. You had to be one meter apart. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, we we dealt with a lot um, of the same stuff. Yeah. So you had that going on. Um, and now like gigs are kind of back. Um, but the international travel that a lot of us were doing is not. Yeah. I've just been doing a little bit recently and it's, it's been really difficult, really challenging. Yeah. Now you got the airline stuff. I mean, I was played a bunch of shows in Canada over the last few weeks and it was a total nightmare, but that's another story. Um, so are you, um, you were telling me about a, a possible gig that's coming up. Is that, is that worth talking about or do you want to wait on that? Um, it is, um, but I, I'm, I'm supposed to wait to talk about okay, let's, who, who it is, but yeah. there's, there's a, uh, potential cool, there's a, cool there's a, a, a regional and Asian pop star, mm -hmm. um, that kind of sought me out. Wonderful. Um, him and his music director. Um, so I will be playing with them, uh, coming up, uh, in the fall that's great, I'm not supposed man. to say dates too sure sure so no, in the fall I hope that uh, pans out man I'm, I'm excited for you because I know it's, yeah we all and need it, to get back out there and play you know yeah and it's 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 a big deal because in this part of the world this person is is kind of a big deal great man um well, and and I, I like I like the I like the way this person I like the musician that they are great man I can't wait to you know to hear more about it and to yeah Hopefully, here's some music. Um, I uh, this is going to sound like. Uh, hopefully, anybody listening and watching, I'm not talking too much, but I, I wanted to tell you, man, I saw a video of you in the last year. Um, I'm not a huge social media guy, but I, I'm on there a little bit, and I only I only have Facebook. But I saw a video you I think you shared, or maybe someone else shared and tagged you. I'm not even sure, but I remember seeing our buddy Will Brock commented like complimenting how you sounded and i i clicked on the video and you were kind of playing a, like a groove solo yeah soloing but but not like overplaying but just really musical all this space and it was funny man it, it you know we haven't been together a lot playing in years or anything like that but it was funny man and i don't want this to sound like as much about me as it probably is going to but i was like man like we really have a lot of similarities in our playing. <laughs> and I think it just comes from all those years growing up and and yeah. hearing the same players and loving the same stuff. And it was really like a touching thing for me. I was like, man, that's my brother. And like, we're, <laughs> we were, we're totally different parts of the world and we're, they're playing from the same place in a lot of, a lot of ways, you know, it was yeah, exciting. I, we, we have a lot of, we have a, we have a lot of similarities in in our thinking sometimes about drums and music. Yeah, you know, and and when we're because I, I watch videos of you all the time, um, and maybe I'm, I'm I get some of that from you. I get that that influence, but um, I find myself saying, "Yeah, I would I would do that too. Mm -hmm. I would play it that way too." You yeah. Know, it would be, you know, sometimes you're playing, it doesn't come out that way, but sure, it's in sure. your mind to do that. It's the musicality of, of, of how you want to hit that symbol, how much you want it to come out, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I Instead mean, of the, yeah, I, I, I sometimes feel like a few times we've seen each other in the last 10 years where you, you do get to see me in person and play, we hang out. I, I always feel like I'm playing these kind of weird gigs and i'm sometimes i wonder like man he might think i'm like losing it playing all this <laughs> hinting at avant-garde music or free music and but i think we had a nice conversation a week or so ago and you were telling me that you're you're starting to think i don't want to say stylistically like that but but starting to think about different ways to play and different ways to express and and uh nuance and touch and colors yeah that's a beautiful yeah. way to say it yeah um, and sometimes playing groove music, it's, it's 
you can you can definitely implement all that stuff, but maybe not the same way as some softer musics. And I find I'm yeah. I find I'm just wanting to play softer and softer, and that might, that might just be aging. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, it's it's something that I've been I've been talking to my students about, man, and it's textures. Mm -hmm. It's it's how you hit the hi hat with what part of the stick you you use to hit the hi hat on yeah. how much of the the stick you use on a rim shot at even at any given point, you know, how, and a lot of people, a lot of drummers don't realize about, about ghost notes and the different volume levels of ghost notes. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, and different, and of course it all depends on, on, on the environment you're in, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes those ghost notes really need to stick out. Of course. You know, you need to play them a little harder than you normally would. You yeah. Know? And then sometimes you need to play them a lot softer, you know. And if you don't, if you don't practice any sort of technique to be able to, to do that, then you'll be lost. Yeah. How, how much? Know? So, Go ahead. So sorry. It's, it, for me, it's, it's been about textures. I've been exploring more textures and observing mm -hmm. the textures that I use. Yeah. And, uh, and observing the textures other musicians use. Do you, uh, how much time do you get to, I mean, you have two young kids, a wife, you know, COVID's happened. How much time do you get to play and practice? Is that, is that? Wednesday and Sunday. Really? <laughs> Those are my teaching days. Okay. So, well, do you find that? students, I get to play. Do you find that? Practice. I think sometimes, like, I remember when I had, my kids were young, it's like, when you do have time, you seem to f find a way to make the best of that time. Do you find that's what you're doing? I try hard to, because like most drummers, sometimes we just want to fool around. Sometimes we just want to do some stuff yeah. and you realize, why am I doing this? Yeah. Get back to what you're supposed to be doing. Sure. You know, being being mature enough to to, to take yourself away from, you know, going on going down the sliding board constantly. Yeah. Dude, there's a swing set. Dude, there's, there's some <laughs> monkey bars. Yeah. Get over there. Do all this stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, man, I can't wait to see some 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 clips of what you what you have going on later in the year and I look forward to hearing you and hopefully you'll get back over here sometime where I can give you a big hug, man. Yeah, man. I look forward to those days. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, look, I'm going to wrap this up for now and okay. uh much love, man. You know I love you, big brother. And I'll see you soon, okay? I love you back, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate you being Thank on, you, on man. the show. Thanks. All right, that's it for this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Throck and Eric. And also, I hope you enjoy these these new this new format we're doing here, where I'm inviting you know Tom and Dave in to interview some of their friends and mentors and heroes. And I'll be back doing some more interviews myself. And I've got some other ideas in the works, a little bit more gear specific. We've got more of our ten reasons to love. We've got some other roundtable ideas. So the Drum Candy Podcast here is going to keep evolving, keep growing. I'm so glad you guys have been you know hanging in there, checking it out. Again, if you haven't already, please head over to iTunes or Spotify or YouTube, wherever you're watching or listening to the show give us a five-star rating drop a review that that does help this show pop up more when people search for drum podcast and i um, mean obviously you want every drummer in the world checking out the show so again thank you all so much we'll be back next week see ya